2: Hello, and welcome to the debrief from the business of fashion where each week we go deep on our most popular bof professional stories with the correspondents who created them i'm lauren sherman when victoria's secret the biggest lingerie brand in the u.s announced in early november that it was buying competitor adore me for 400 million dollars it indicated that the long anticipated wave of consolidation for startup fashion brands may have finally arrived after all, there are plenty of big companies like Victoria's Secret that have struggled to adapt to new consumer wants, needs, and desires, and plenty of venture capital-backed startups that are still unprofitable and seeking a cash-positive corporate parent to help them weather the impending recession. But the Victoria's Secret Adore tie-up was one of only a handful of DTC brand acquisitions this year, according to PitchBook, and experts say deals are likely to come in a trickle rather than a wave. They see a mismatch between the types of businesses looking to sell and what bigger companies or private equity firms are looking to buy. Today, I have with me BOF correspondent Malik Morris, who covered the ins and outs of this conundrum in his recent piece, The Next Wave of DTC Acquisitions. Malik, thank you so much for joining me on The Debrief. I think this is your first time on.
3: Yes, it is. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to chat with you. You know, you're like one of my all-time favorite reporters. So this is such a pleasure.
2: And you are one of mine, Malik. We're so happy to have you at BOF. So I know that a lot of different kinds of fashion brands were for sale this summer. A lot of them had late pandemic success where people were buying a lot more stuff and and they suddenly were up. from 2019, et cetera, et cetera. And they wanted to capitalize on that success by either selling or taking more investment to open retail stores, et cetera. But for this piece, you really focused on the state of the M&A market for direct-to-consumer brands, which typically they get investment from venture capital. What's going on in that space in particular, given all the macro challenges with the economy and investors and all that stuff?
3: Yeah, well, it's been well-documented that investors were particularly bullish on fast-growing digital brands during the e-commerce boom of the last two years that you highlighted. Investors were giving these brands sky-high valuations as a reward for their massive sales growth. And now physical retail has rebounded and online sales are slowing at even Amazon and Shopify the number one online storefront enabler. So there are digital brands that are not generating cash from their operations and are burning through money because the price to make and sell goods keeps going up amid inflation and ongoing supply chain issues. And, you know, these money losing companies are not going to be able to raise outside funds because VCs are now only looking to invest in brands that have a clear path to profitability as the cost of capital also rises. So this leaves those cash burning companies with few options to weather the incoming recession. And so it makes sense for many of them to find a strategic or holding company or even a PE firm to buy them.
2: So what's the big opportunity for these potential acquirers in this space? Is it that they could just get a really good deal right now? What are people with money looking for at this moment?
3: A great deal of these digital brands were growing at all costs when it looked like e-commerce was only going to account for more of total retail sales globally. And that they just looked at that trend was just going to go upward people did not anticipate a large slowdown and then a possible recession. So they weren't necessarily managing their money well, and that came to a head as the cost of raw materials, freight charges, and targeted advertising all rolls around the same time last year. But some of these brands have great products and solid followings and are using technology to innovate how they sell their goods. At the same time, there are large retailers that are in need of some judging. You know, these retail giants can take the opportunity now to buy a brand at a lower sales price because valuations are low and many startups are desperate. And you can use that acquisition to court a younger younger consumer and infuse more technology into their selling practices. A great example that we use is Victoria's Secret's acquisition of Adoreme for $400 million. Adoreme does over a hundred million in sales and is popular among Gen Z consumers, in part because of its inclusive marketing campaigns that feature beautiful models of all colors and sizes. Also, Adore Me has a subscription service that lets users order a box of goods and only pay for what they keep, which is not common in the intimates category. And this service drives customer retention according to Victoria's Secrets, and Victoria's Secret, a company you know better than most, is trying to revive its brand by shedding its previously exclusionary image of stick thin models. And it could also use some fresh ways to sell intimates, and it plans to infuse Adobe subscription service into its own retail touch points. So while Victoria's Secret says that Me has been even so profitable, some investors say that the sale price of two x revenue was not great, so it's possible that Victoria's Secret got a discount for Adore Me, and that's just one example of the ways that a strategic could use this moment of the VC market not necessarily being as generous with the capital that it's deploying and brands burning through cash and needing to find a quick exit to their advantage.
2: Got it. So. Now we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsors, but when we return, Malik will share some tactics brands are using to make themselves more attractive to investors.
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
1: And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
2: Welcome back to the debrief. Malik, so you've set up the state of the market. For brands that are looking to sell, you mentioned why Adore Me in particular was attractive to Victoria's Secret, but it sounds like the most important thing right now is that they're profitable on an EBITDA basis. Can you talk about what EBITDA basis means and how brands can get to that point?
3: Yeah, so we talked a bit earlier about VCs looking to invest in brands that are profitable and well, buyers are also looking at profitability as well and strategics for example, are under similar pressure to preserve their balance sheets and it is in their best interest not to buy a company that is prone to lose money in pursuit of acquiring new customers to drive their sales. So it's in the brand's best interest to balance the cost of goods sold, including managing their ad spend to acquire that customer, just to ensure it can turn a profit on each unit it sells. Some brands have talked about this strategy, helping them turn a profit or at least break even on an EBITDA basis or earnings without taking interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization into account. And also, I mean, in addition to showing profits, companies that are looking for buyers have to show that they can do more than sell and up upon all product that consumers can find anywhere else. All of that goes into how you get profit on that first order basis for each customer. And all that goes into the long-term strategy of either breaking even or actually generating profits on the EBITDA basis.
2: So beyond being profitable, which is super hard to achieve for even brands that have been around for 20 or 30 years. So especially if you're a young startup, it's impressive if you can figure out the right business model. Um, What else do these brands need to do to stand out in the market? What kind of unique qualities or services can they provide that will catch the eye of, of an investor or a potential
3: buyer. As I was, you know, saying before, they have to prove that they can differentiate themselves from the herd. Uh, I want to sound like a, a bit of a broken record here, but Adore Me Again is a great example. I mentioned earlier while it was able to show profitability on an EBITDA basis, when it was acquired by, Victoria's Secret, what really helped it stand out was its subscription service. While the Tribe before you buy model is not entirely revolutionary, you have Stitch Fix out there, and Wobby Parker has adopted the model early on, having a subscription service in the intimates category specifically is super novel. And the fact that it also helps domain retain its existing customers and get them to make repeat purchases, which is a very sustainable way to grow sales because customer retention is cheaper than customer acquisition, made Adore Me all the more attractive to Victoria's Secrets. So brands that are looking to sell or are looking for a buyer, a strategic, a holding company, a PE firm that can align with them on their values, even in a time when they're probably not gonna get the best valuation on those sales, are want to focus on the unique elements of their brand. Maybe it's not a subscription service, maybe it's something else, but there is something there that is differentiating them from their peers is going to be an increasingly important part of getting an equitable exit in this current macroeconomic environment.
2: What are some other brands that you found that are doing well right now or at least have all the proof points that would make them attractive?
3: Yeah, so to go a little deeper on the profitability piece that we touched on earlier, you have startups that have shed their growth at all cost mentality even well before the pandemic, you know, in the story we include the apparel brand Ministry of Supply, which sells durable workwear like wrinkle-free dress shirts. And since 2019, they had focused less on acquiring new customers; they're focusing more on re-engaging the customer they already have because it costs less to get an existing customer to buy again than to get a new one to make a purchase for the first time. And you know, this strategy has helped Ministry of Supply break even on an EBITDA basis in 2019 and be on track to do. So again, this year, and they know that makes them attractive for an optimal exit, whether that's IPO or selling themselves to a strategic in the next few years.
2: Got it. So if you're a profitable company right now that you have some money in the bank, you feel like you're prepared for this incoming, or I don't know if it already started, but this potential recession that is about to... Take over our lives for the next year to 18 months. Is it prudent not to sell right now unless you have an amazing offer? We just saw Tom Ford sold to Estee Lauder for $2.8 billion, but that's like, I don't know what you call it, unicorn plus status. Like, that's a very specific situation. If you're one of these scrappy under $200 million a year startups and You are in a good financial position where you can ride out the next eighteen months and not do as well as you have been doing the last eighteen months. Do you think, from what you've heard from investors, do you think it's prudent not to sell and just to kind of sit on your hands for a bit until things turn around?
3: This is kind of where the disconnect comes in because the brands that that buyers are looking for are likely going to hold off on being acquired until they can get a better valuation than buyers are willing to offer. Right now, you know, we include the apparel brand Buck Mason in the story as well. They've kind of been well known in the DTC space for a very long time. And the company has been generating cash since it launched. You know, the CEO, um, Eric Allen Ford, told me that while he recognizes that Buck Mason's financial profile makes it an attractive acquisition target, the company is not willing to settle for a lower valuation in its economic climate. It's funny because the company would rather. Wait to see how the next 18 to 24 months shapes up before considering a sale. They actually, Ford actually told me that Buck Mason has even thought about being an acquirer and adopting a roll-up strategy uh, where it puts together portfolio of brands that sell complementary products like Pattern Brands does in the home goods space. So the brands at the top of a buyer's list don't have much incentive to sell right now. And I think it'd be interesting to see how the next 18 to 24 months shake out As you have some brands that are desperate to find an exit and you have those that are well positioned to wait it out.
2: I love a deal. So always happy to hear about one, but it will be interesting to see who makes moves and who
3: waits and sees. Definitely.
2: Malik, thank you so much for being here
3: and please come back soon. This was fun. Thanks so much for having me. Be sure
2: to check out Malik's article, The Next Wave of DTC Acquisitions at businessoffashion.com. The link to this and other articles available to BOF professional subscribers only is also in the show notes. You've been listening to The Debrief produced and edited by Emma Clark, Kate Barton, Eric Bria, and Georgie Rutherford in the BOF studio. I'm Lauren Sherman, and I'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. Thanks so much for joining us and be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can join BOF Professional today with an exclusive 25% discount on an annual membership covering key industry topics from sustainability to technology to marketing with access to our case studies, live events, and iOS app. To get this special offer and benefit from 25% off of a membership, head to the link in the episode show notes or enter the coupon code DEBRIEF at checkout. Visit businessoffashion.com slash memberships.